Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the Buckswire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Buckswire editor, Luke Easterling. Hey there, welcome into the program. Reminder to our listeners, hit that subscribe button for us, the Buckswire. You can search for that on Apple Pods, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, whatever works best for you. We appreciate it. Luke, how you doing, man? Feeling good about that win over the Falcons? Yeah, I mean, you know, how good can you ever feel about beating the Falcons, I guess? <laughs> it's, you know, it has less to do with the Falcons and more to do with the fact that we saw some good things from the Bucks. We saw the momentum continue. You see five sacks. You see Brady throw for 368 and four touchdowns. You know, I, I think, you know, obviously you see Chris Godwin break a franchise record, which was pretty cool. Um, you know, all those things are great. At the end of the day, what is it? It's a road win against a division opponent, and those are important. Uh, especially in December. So to start off start off December football with a big road win against a division opponent, Bucks are up four games in the NFC South with five games to go. That's where you want to be. Um, you know, still only really a game, game and a half back, I guess, of, of the number one seed right now. So everything that uh, that I liked about Sunday had very little to do with the Falcons, but the Bucks are, are look like maybe they're starting to pick it up and, and do what they did last year through December, and that's a great thing to see. Yeah, it's looking better, and it looks like we might win a division. We might win a division, Luke. There's 2007. <laughs> it's 2007, been a while. Ryan. Yeah, it's been a while. What, what were you doing? What were you doing in 2007 except groveling crying at, at Tom Brady's feet, crying in my cornflakes uh, when they lost in the Super Bowl to the Giants? That's what I was doing in 2007. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Boo hoo! By the way, <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. I know a lot of people have sympathy for us Patriots fans, especially right now. Um, and actually, that's kind of where I wanted to start this week. It's uh, it's Bucks Bills week, and this is a game that you know it's a little different than what we expected, right? The Bills are the number seven seed in the AFC if it started today. They're they're seven and five. And I don't think anybody saw the Bills being seven and five. And they literally got run over by the Patriots on Monday night football. So they're coming over to Tampa Bay on a short week. I think they'll be happy just about the weather. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. To be honest. Yeah. Let's get to Florida. Please right. God, get us to Tampa right now. What what are you thinking if you're you know you're a guy that covers the Bucks, you're a Bucks fan, even a Bucks player watching that game against New England. I mean, can you imagine a more physically demanding painful like the bucks i mean the bills just literally getting run over by the patriots and and their big you know their bigger players their blockers the patriots just knocking them around all game long i mean can you imagine in that weather uh, i mean and this is a short week for the bills but man this is it's a little bit different it hits a little bit different this week it feels like yeah yeah it truly does and and honestly watching that game at the end of the day i mean the, the bills gave up a, a big run to harris and only really gave up 14 points. I mean, they, I don't think they really even played that badly. It was just it was just those body shots, like a little bit here and a little bit there, and the weather plays a, a huge part in that, I think. And I think that just the men, maybe just the mental side of like, man, they're really not going to throw the ball, like at all. I remember I, I beat somebody online in Madden once, 56 to nothing, without throwing a pass. And I, I, that, that player never wanted to play me ever again, which I understand completely, but... 
Um, that Jaguars team, man, Fred Taylor, Maurice Jones, Drew. Why would you even one. throw a pass? It's David fun to Garrard, run the ball. really great at, at, at handing off. Nothing but, better than running the ball, Matt. It's so. Fun. But that's just what it is, man. I don't even think the Bills played terribly poorly. It's just you know the the, the <laughs> Patriots came out with a ridiculously simple and incredible game plan uh, to win in that weather. It worked. Um, and yeah, it, there's got to be. It could go either way mentally for the Bills this week. They could. It could demoralize them, or they could bounce back and say, hey, at least we get to go down to Tampa and, and play in the nice weather, and we know that they're not going to run the ball 400 times in a row. <laughs> Tom Brady's definitely not going to throw only three passes. Uh, but then you start to look at it from that point, and you're like, maybe we'd be better off if Tom Brady only threw three passes. So who, who knows? Yeah, and that's interesting when you get into the game plans. But you talk about the mental state of the uh, the Bills coming into this. I'm going to say Bucks and Bills. I'm going to I'm just going to confuse that every, yeah, single, it's every okay. single second, Luke. But uh the mental It'll be state... a fun guessing game for the <laughs> yeah, listeners. Yeah, Which the, one are we talking about? The mental state the mental state of the Bucks better than the Bills. Uh their mental state, right? They just lost a game at home to Bill Belichick where his rookie quarterback threw three passes and completed two of them for 19 yards. Belichick wears the Navy face mask pregame, which you must have loved, Luke, right? The the images yep. of him in the Navy face mask. Just just kind of trolling the Bills and letting everybody know, look, we're look look at kind of gameplay we're gonna have for you, right? And really just He was run- in full Emperor Palpatine mode. He was. And then he runs basically the same run play over and over and over, gets switching sides. We're gonna run it to the right, we're gonna run it to the left. Was same high pro- school high school football at its finest. <laughs> high school football pulling the guard, let's go. Um, I mean, that had to be demoralizing for the Bills. Oh, by the way, now they have to come to Tampa Bay to play Tom Brady, who is 32-3 and three against them in, their, in his career uh, in the Super Bowl champions in Tampa. I mean, their mental state, I have to, I have to check up on the Bills. Like, I'm not sure about it. I think they might, be a little, it might, they might be a little rattled. But talking about the game plans, right? Like, this game plan against Atlanta for the Bucs was really interesting, right? They didn't really lean on the run. They knew that they could torch the Falcons through the air with Godwin and Gronk and and that's what Brady did, right? He was throwing the ball all over the place, threw over 50 passes. I think, what, Lenny Fournette got like 13 carries or something like that? It wasn't a lot, 13 or 14. Yeah. I wonder how the Bucks approach this game against the Bills. That's what I wanted to get your take on. How do they approach it? Because they do have the offensive line in the back to hand it off, you know, be more balanced and just pound it ahead. But on the other side, we know what teams do to the Bucks, right? They come in and abandon the run game and try to throw it. The Bills don't have a run game. They can't run the football. Even when it's 70 miles per hour wins, they can't get a run game going, Luke. They have to throw it into the wind. But they're, they're kind of built that way, right? They're built to compete with teams like the Bucks and the Chiefs that put up a lot of points. They want Josh Allen slinging it to Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders and doing that thing. I think the Bills almost come in and say, screw this, kind of like the Cowboys did in week one. Screw this. We're not going to run it. We're going to throw it. We're going to put up as many points as we can. And then I think the Bucks kind of have to come in with a mindset to do the same thing, don't you think? Like, how do you think the Bucks are thinking coming into this game? I think a big thing for the Bills is that Tre'Davious White's out, and and that I think makes things a little more difficult. Bills, I think, have only given up like eight touchdown passes or something ridiculous this this year. Pass defense has been incredible. Obviously, it's a be it'll be a little bit harder without White yeah, in huge. the lineup. One of the, yeah, one, one of the best corners in the game, and you know the Bucks have talked about that all week already. Um, but I think you look at that game plan and you feel like, yeah, we definitely want to run the ball. And part of it, like you said, is the game plan. You do not want to hang your defense out to dry by giving them extra plays and extra possessions against a guy like Josh Allen, who won't just air the air it out on you. He will run the ball. He will be that running game. He's the best running back they have, basically. He is. Um, 
and Brian Dable does a great job. Bruce Arians just said it to us today that, that he does a great job scheming Josh Allen into those runs. And also the formations, like they, he, like they line up in certain formations that usually tell a defense, oh, we're doing X or we're passing in this way. And they'll run Josh Allen, design runs out of those formations. And it's, it's really hard for defenses to handle that. But, but no, I, I think if I'm the Bucks, I, I don't want my defense out there any more than they have to be against that offense, um, which means a lot of running the ball and play action and big plays, trying to get those those athletic linebackers they have, Edmonds and Milano, to, to move up the field and try to jump that run game. Again, after you want to use what happened Monday night against them, right? You want them to go, you know, you want to play into that mentality they're going to have this week of, hey, that's never going to happen again. We're never going to let a team punish us on the ground. We're going to load up the box and we're going to make sure that never happens again. You've got to play action the heck out of it this week. You've got to suck those linebackers in with the run game. And and Brady's been killer at, at play action his whole career, and especially during his time with the Bucks. You know, a lot of motion to, to let him know what's going on with the defense before he snaps the ball. Run the ball enough. You don't really need to run the ball to set up play action. It's one of the biggest myths in football. Um, the data just doesn't back it up. Um, but yeah, I, I would think plenty of play action to try to open up that defense, open up that secondary, as opposed to just kind of line it up in shotgun and running empty all the time. I'm just, I'm so interested to see how the bills play the bucks. I, I think Josh Allen could throw it 60 times. Luke, I really do like kind of like Dak Prescott. I mean, that'll be his best bet. Yeah. Josh yeah. Allen having the ball every play. And one, one thing I wanted to note about the Falcons game that you mentioned earlier, the bucks threw the ball 51 times. Brady wasn't sacked once. I, I mean, I know good. their, their defensive front is terrible. Yeah. But anytime you drop back 50 times, 50-plus 50 times, and you're not even getting sacked once, I mean, that's a big deal. I think that'll be huge again for the Bucks this week to be able to protect Brady. Again, they've got to have sustained drives. They've got to have long, sustained drives. I assume the Bills are going to try their best to play, you know, too high, whatever defense wants to play now, you know, against any passing attack of any merit after the Bucks, you know, destroyed the Chiefs with that very simple scheme in the Super Bowl. You know, they're going to want to keep Micah Hyde uh, and uh, and Jordan Poyer deep to to contain that passing attack. The Bucks have to attack those light boxes when they do that, uh, and make them force them to bring one of those safeties into the box. Then you play action, you open things up down the field. I think having Gronkowski back healthy has obviously been a huge thing for this passing game to open things up. There's just there's no way to adequately cover Mike Evans, Chris Goblin, and Rob Gronkowski all at once. You you cannot do it, uh, and that's going to be key for the Bucks this week. Real quick, give me something on Mike Evans being uh, nominated again, third year in a row for the Bucks Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. I mean, listen, when when you when Jason Light came in as the general manager, you have a top ten pick, your first pick, you want to hit on that guy, right? You want to find a, a cornerstone player. And I remember going into that draft, a lot of the talk was about Sammy Watkins. Remember the Bills traded up from eight to four to get Sammy Watkins in that draft. The yeah. Bucks sat, stayed at seven, and Mike Evans fell to them at seven. They took him. And what an incredible pick it was to start out no doubt. Jason Light's tenure. And I'm just talking about a, as a football player. I mean, he's already – he's 28 years old, and he already owns every receiving record in, in Buccaneers history. Uh, just broke Mike Allstott's total touchdown record. You know how hard it is for a wide receiver to have a franchise record for total touchdowns as opposed to a, a running back? It's not easy. Yep. I think Larry Fitzgerald, maybe a couple of other guys, but – Everything that Mike Evans has done on the field has been at a Hall of Fame level. Again, we've talked about the the, the record with the thousand yard seasons. He's I think a little over two hundred yards ahead, away from eight straight one thousand yard seasons to to start his career. Which again, he's the only player to do it seven times. Um, just ridiculous as a player, but but this award I think means the most to him. 
because of how much effort he puts into into what he does off the field. He talked about it today. He talked a lot about his wife, Ashley, and, and how instrumental she is in even when he isn't necessarily thinking about something, she's got to have an idea. And she comes to him like, hey, what if we did this? And, and to see how much it means to him to go back home to Galveston, Texas, where he grew up and, and to to have always lived with this, like, if I get to that point, if I make it to where I have influence, I'm going to make people's lives better. I am going to impact everybody I can in a positive way. And to see that Mike has done that, just every chance he gets. And I I don't know if I've told this story before on on this show, but uh, it was like four or five years ago where somebody had sent me a link to like a GoFundMe page because there was a Bucks fan he was an older gentleman and his daughter had lost their baby. You know, it was a, so, you know, it's like an infant loss situation. It was just yep. so sad. And he had yep. sent it to me and asked me to share it. Like, Hey, you just put this out there. We're just trying to cover, you know, funeral costs for the baby, which is just God, I can't even imagine. Right. So yep. the, the GoFundMe page just wanted like 500 bucks or something, you know, it wasn't even, you know, they weren't even really asked for a lot of money. So obviously I put it out there. I shared it in five minutes. Mike Evans had paid the whole thing off. Didn't say a word. And that was the end of it. So like, it's just one of those, like, it's just one of those things. They like, there are so many people. I almost want to go on Twitter and just ask everybody. Like, I know y'all have Mike Evans stories that nobody knows. Like, there's just this, just the kind of person he is. If he sees a need, he sees an opportunity to be able to share, you know, his wealth, but also his his time, his effort, his his presence, just with people. The amount of times he's brought kids to the to the facility to, uh, you know, to give them Christmas gifts or gone to schools and done so many things. I know I'm, I'm waxing poetic here with, with well, I'm sure <laughs> it was good. supposed to be a very short response, but man, I, I just, when you make a pick like that, you could never dream in a million years that you're not just going to get the kind of player that Mike Evans has been for this team, who obviously I think is the greatest offensive player in this team's history. And again, he's only 28. He's still got plenty of time. Um, but to get the kind of person that he has been for this community and for also his hometown of Galveston and all the all the in College Station as well, playing at Texas A and M. I mean, he he has not forgotten where he is he has come from. He has not forgotten, you know, the the city that he's kind of grown up into a, a grown man as a football player here in Tampa. And and man, this community is so much better for it. Uh, and I know these fans appreciate it as well. That's good stuff right there. You should definitely put that tweet out there because that would be a good thread to uh, kind of see what people come up with. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, I think yeah. I will. Yeah, yeah, you definitely should. And another guy that got a you know a, a little award was Tom Brady, and we'll cover that here coming up in our questions of the week right after this. This is the typical sports book fantasy minute. Let's make this interesting. interesting. I'm Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com, here to bring you strong plays for week 14 of the fantasy football season. Quarterback Ben Roethlisberger, Pittsburgh Steelers at Minnesota Vikings. His two best fantasy games have come in the last three weeks, and while his arm isn't what it used to be, Big Ben can still remain efficient with short area passing and rack up a couple of touchdowns along the way. Roethlisberger has at least two touchdown passes in three of his last four contests, and Minnesota has given up three or more such plays in the last five games, including 296 yards, three touchdowns, and no picks to Jared Goff last week. Even Dallas Cowboys backup Cooper Rush torched his defense in week 8, and in the five games leading up to week 13, Minnesota's ranked 34.7% better than average for a quarterback to face. Carolina Panthers running back Chuba Hubbard versus Atlanta Falcons. The rookie's last game as a starter came in week 8 at Atlanta, in which he finished with 16.1 PPR points, his second best showing to date. The Panthers are not only without running back Christian McCaffrey for the rest of the year, but offensive coordinator Joe Brady was fired during the bye week. Hubbard should benefit from the newfound dedication to the running game, and he's a strong 
on play number two in weekly formats. Minnesota Vikings wide receiver K.J. Osborne versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wide receiver Adam Thielen has an ankle injury and has been ruled out for this Thursday nighter. And Osborne is the next man up against a Steelers defense that will be without cornerback Joe Hayden once again. While that doesn't directly impact Osborne, it shifts the coverage around in his favor. Four times in the last five games, a wide receiver scored against the Steelers, and the position has averaged the 12th most yards per game during that window of operation. Osborne is a slightly risky, but certainly viable wide receiver three with number two upside. New York Giants tight end Evan Ingram at Denver Broncos. Ingram might as well have Tom the hot dog salesman throwing to him in week 14, but this matchup is so dang good that it's hard to get away from it. Quarterback Daniel Jones is unlikely to play, and his backup Mike Glennon suffered a concussion in week 13. That leaves Jake Fromm as the third stringer. In reality, is Fromm really that much worse, if at all, than Glennon? Probably not. LA has allowed tight ends five touchdowns in the last 22 catches, which is solidly the easiest matchup in that metric. Play Ingram as a flyer for a cheap touchdown. The playoffs will be upon us in week 15. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, information, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, our questions of the week. Three questions for Luke that he has not been prompted on, so I'm going to throw these at you, Luke. Uh, Number one, Tom Brady, age 44. Runaway favorite right now for league MVP on Tipico, plus 140. What do you think? Are any of these other guys, Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, who we're going to see this weekend, any of these guys catching Brady at this point? Uh, You know, maybe Rodgers. Um, I feel like Murray probably missed too much time already with the ankle injury. Um, but I, I could see Rodgers maybe, especially if they keep winning and they stay ahead uh, of the Bucks in the in the playoff race. But man, I I'm not betting against Tom Brady. I'm not. I mean, you know what he's done at his age and the fact that the Bucks are again look like they're building another winning streak here. They're they've won three in a row. 44 years old, 22nd season, leads the NFL in passing yards by like 300 yards, leads the league in touchdown passes by quite a few. Um, I mean, he's on pace for 5,050. Uh, you know, what What do you want from a guy who's continuing to do this somehow at a higher level in his 40s than he did in his 20s? It's, it's absolutely insane. ridiculous. It's so unprecedented. If, I, if I've got money and I have a chance to bet on Tom Brady for something good, I, I'm probably going to put that money on it. Yeah, plus 140. The odds are still okay, still in your favor, and I think he's kind of running away with it at this point. So, yeah, I think that would be a pretty good bet. And just so you know, we've we've hit on this a lot throughout the you know throughout the weeks on the show, Luke, about Brady being more likable. And I think this Sports Person of the Year award he got wasn't it from Sports Illustrated who gave right. him this? I that kind of shows it, right? If Brady's become this like he's always been like a larger than life figure, but I think he's become a likable larger than life figure since he came to Tampa Bay. And uh, I think this is a kind of an example of it. If there was a any sort of collective groan 
from the uh, from the fans at seeing him get this award. It's definitely more muted this time. I yeah. think it's lower. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Than I think in 2000. Uh, I think it was was it 2007 when he won it last time, or somewhere back then, 2009 maybe. It's definitely different because I definitely think that people have gotten to understand him a bit more as a as a human being instead of a robotic, you know, football playing machine. Um, and I think, you know, maybe that part, you know, maybe some of it has to do with the fact that he plays in Tampa Bay now. He's not playing for Belichick in New England. But I think also part of it is probably just getting older. I don't know about you, but I'm 36 and I feel more comfortable as a person. I feel more comfortable you know, maybe just with my own self-awareness and being honest with myself about my shortcomings and being able to poke fun at myself a little bit more like we've seen Tom do over the last couple of years now and, you know, laugh at his mistakes and, and critique them in, in positive ways and just have a little bit more fun with life. And I think that's that's what we're seeing from him. And I think when people can can look at somebody who hasn't always seemed like the most authentic guy at times, because like you said, it's always game related. It's always we're locked in and it's all about football and it wasn't as much of a human aspect of, of that, which again, sh- shameless plug for man in the arena on ESPN plus, by the way, I haven't, I haven't caught it yet, but I do have ESPN plus. I, I have to watch you it. of all people. I haven't yet. No, I've been saving. My it. God. I'm going to binge it one of these days. It's I have, so, I've been it's it. so great. And it's a, it's a great, again, a look behind the curtain and, and to see the human element of all of these things that it's really easy to forget sometimes. And, and so I, again, to, back to your question, I, I think that Brady's, likability i will blame tampa bay for that a, a good bit and i think he might as well i think he might you know if you were honest about it say that it, it does feel more comfortable to kind of be himself at this point in his career and, and with the coaching staff that he has now but whatever the reason i think that the sport is better for it and i definitely think bucks fans are enjoying it yeah you know you know me i got a two-month-old so i haven't been able to like sit down that's really, a good point yeah really I, do that. but now i, re- I, now I got the itch. my uh, my my disappointment <laughs> but i got the itch now i got the itch luke you just did it to me you can't do that to me it's, man. it's really good man yeah, you are gonna man. love it maybe okay. maybe skip the 07 episode that i think is just about to come out but yeah yeah no that i don't need that pain in my life right now um uh, okay so question number two uh this is a non-bucks related question but it's hilarious the ravens Instead of kicking an extra point with their future Hall of Fame kicker and going to overtime, Luke, against the Steelers, went for two, missed it, and lost 20-19 to over the weekend. So here's the question. Love or hate that strategy to go for two with a chance to end the game, you know, in the final seconds? What do you think? Love it. Love it all day long. I loved it when Jim, when John Harbaugh and the Ravens did it against the Chiefs and they won. Uh, I loved it. Every time a, a team puts themselves in position to say, you know what? No, we're not going to play for a tie. We're not going to play for overtime. We're hot. We've got the momentum. And here's the thing. The play worked. <laughs> the play worked. And J- and uh, TJ Watt made a hell of a play uh, against – and that, that's what you want to see, right? You want to see the game on the line. Let's not play for the tie. Let's play for the win. Let's put our best players in position to make a play and see who does it. Lamar Jackson has come out on the positive end of that sometimes. And that moment, TJ Watt got the better of him. He got pressure. He forced just enough of an errant throw. wasn't even really that bad of a throw. But when you get in the way and you mess up the, the receiver's concentration, Mark Andrews, he had him. He had him. He catches it. He walks in, and they win the game, and we're having a completely different conversation. So, you know, it's execution is just as important as preparation. You can prepare all day long and call all the right plays and put everybody in the right position. But you have to account for the fact that the other guys get paid too. And on that, in that moment, T.J. Watt made the play. Lamar couldn't make the throw. And you got to live with that. If, if you love it when it happens and it goes well for you, you've got to be able to accept it when it doesn't. Yeah, no, and, and it's a, such an interesting play because the ball's at the two-yard line. And it's not like we see teams go for two all the time. And it's because from the two-yard line, it's tough, right? Like, 
you're a little bit too far to run it in against those heavy defensive packages and and it's also hard to throw it in because you don't have a lot of room. So it's, it's right. such an interesting play. And I love it for a lot of teams. I don't know if I love it for the Ravens. Now, I know that's their mindset. But on one side of the coin, your kicker is so freaking good. Your kicker is going to make it automatically. So you don't even have to worry about it if you send the kicker out. And also, the Ravens, I mean, how would you describe them this year, Luke? Inconsistent, right? Their offense has been yeah. very, very inconsistent. And the Steelers aren't that good. So I think you you know you got a chance to win in overtime. I think just because their kicker is so freaking awesome that the the extra point is kind of a shoe in. I kind of don't love it for the Ravens specifically, but you're right. I kind of forgot about the Chiefs. That was so long ago. What was that week two? Yeah, they did. They did it to the Chiefs. You're right. So why why should I be surprised at Harbaugh doing it again? But for some reason in the moment, I didn't like it for that that specific team just because they've been so inconsistent. That makes sense. Trying to push back, but I didn't do a good job. All right, question number three <laughs> uh, with the Antonio Brown. Saga continuing, and uh, both Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson kind of losing sh- snaps now to Brashad Perryman, Luke. It seems like Brady's got three weapons he can trust, right? Godwin, Gronk, and Evans. And, and you know, maybe Lenny Fournette out of the backfield a little bit, but it's it's really Godwin, Gronk, and Evans. Uh, how do you feel about that? Do you buy or sell that depth, that talent around Brady as enough to get through what's going to be a tough gauntlet in the NFC playoffs? Do you think if they can't count on A.B. and it's just these three, that's enough. I mean, I think there's probably 30 other NFL teams, give or take, <laughs> that would that would absolutely love that problem. Uh, they would love to the opportunity to see if they can survive <laughs> with Tom Brady throwing the football to Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Rob Gronkowski. Yes, I, I think he'll do just fine. And again, throw in the fact that the Bucks have one of the best offensive lines in the league. Again, how many times have we had this season where Brady just hasn't gotten sacked at all? Uh, and and just no pressure whatsoever, and can sit back there all day long. It's happened most of the season so far. And the fact Leonard Fournette leads all NFL running backs in receptions right now. And again, it's not something we should be surprised by. We all thought that was going to be Gio Bernard's role. Yeah, but where, we're, where is he? <laughs> but we're right. We're not surprised that that the running back, you know, has been a featured part of this uh, this passing game. We just thought it was going to be the guy that I don't know they signed to be that guy before Lenny was like. No, thank you. I'm going to take that job. Gio's on special teams now. (laughs) Yeah, it's wild. I mean, he literally showed up and was like, thanks, Rojo. I'll take it from here on first and second down. That was last year down the stretch. And now he came into this year like, hey, Gio, respect you. All the love. I'm not coming But I'm also going to take your job. (laughs) And again, that's not just catching the ball. He's he's a hell of a pass protector. Lenny's blown some guys up this year uh, as a pass protector, and that's just as important. So, uh, that's how you earn the trust. You you protect the quarterback, and then he'll throw you the ball. That's how it works. So uh, that, that's what Lenny's done, and I think that is plenty when you have Tom Brady throwing the football. Again, you all those years in New England, how many years would that group have been absolutely the best group that he's ever had in New England? <laughs> uh, probably. With the exception of what? The Randy Moss, Gronk, Wes Welker? I probably mean, even, that one. That one's yeah, that's the only you know, comparable one, 07. He could, uh, if he won Super Bowls with Givens and uh, Jabbar Gaffney and <laughs> – you know, Dion Branch, but that sort of thing. That's when he was a, a sly 20-something-year-old Luke, you know. But So I asked the question, though. I could tell by your tone. You're, you're just throwing this question right out the window. But there are people writing that wide receiver depth is going to come back to haunt the Bucks. So that's why I had to throw the question at you. But I could tell that storyline, you want nothing to do with it. You think that's just garbage. I mean, I, I, go, back, I go back to the playoff run. Scotty Miller was, was a key player in certain moments of that run with the obviously the Packers touchdown right before halftime was one of the most important plays of that entire run. I go back to Tyler Johnson making a huge third down catch in the in the Saints game 
and drawing the pass interference penalty on the final drive against the Packers uh, that ended up sealing that game and moving the chains to, for them. So, I mean, there are guys in this offense, and Cameron Brady, we didn't even talk about him. He caught a, a great touchdown against the Falcons on Sunday, and he's got a rapport with Brady. I mean, there's, there are guys that have built a level of trust with Brady that he's not even having to rely on right now. Scotty Miller's been back on injured reserve for two games now, really hasn't sniffed the ball. So, I mean, he he knows he can count on those guys when when necessary. It just so happens that I think the ball's just going Mike's way because he's been healthy all year. It's going Chris's way because he's been healthy out there all year. You know, you could wake Rob Gronkowski up at 3 in the morning and have him go out there and run routes, and he and Brady will have a better connection than most quarterbacks and, and pass catchers in the league. So, yeah, I, I think especially with Brady, it's definitely enough, and we haven't even really seen the need for those other guys to step up. And I think I think they're as deep as any team in the league in that position. All right, so five games left for the Bucks. There's really only one scary game left, and I think it's this weekend. Bucks Bills. I think that's the scariest game left on the schedule. Yeah. And, uh, we're going to get into it. We talked a little bit about this earlier in the show, but we're going to make our picks against the spread right after this. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bed Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicap and homie, Nathan Beagle, to break down this week's Monday Night Football game between the Los Angeles Rams and the Arizona Cardinals. Our friends at Typico Sportsbook have the Cardinals favor two and a half points and the total sitting at 51 and a half. I'm on the Cardinals minus two and a half here because I have the better quarterback and the better defense. And this line, this game is priced as if these teams are are even even on a neutral field, whereas I think Cardinals are favored or should be favored on a neutral field. So I'll take them laying two and a half at home. Nate, how are you betting the Rams-Cardinals game? All right, so both teams rank in the top 10 in opponents passing yards per game, yet they love to throw the ball. The Rams are averaging under 24 points per game versus teams with top 10 pass defenses. Combine it all, and I think the under 52 looks good. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Luke, Bills at Bucks. The Bucks are three-and-a-half-point favorites in this ballgame. Uh, but real quick, we have uh, the injury report to catch up on. We're actually concerned about the coach injury report in this one, right? Like, there's some, there's some stuff. I heard Bruce Arians in a walking boot. Yeah, yeah, Bruce, uh, if you noticed on Sunday during the Falcons game, when he went out to shake hands with Arthur Smith, he was limping a bit. So obviously they asked him after the game, and evidently he's been, uh, quote, running to, to either get in shape or stay in shape. I can't remember how he, he phrased it, but he, he did something to his Achilles. It's inflamed in some way. Um, good old 69-year-old Bruce Arians is more active physically than I am, I think, um, and has flared up his Achilles. So, yeah, he, he showed up to the press conference Wednesday with a scooter. 
uh, and a nice, nice walking boot. Uh, Lori Locust, the assistant defensive line coach, somebody, uh, one of the media folks said that she was out there in, in crutches uh, earlier in the week. So I think she maybe have a, a knee injury that she's working her way back from. So, man, coaches, watch out. The injury bug is uh, is biting the bucks in the, in the coaching ranks. So be careful out there. That's wild. And the, nobody has tougher coaches than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'll tell you that, Luke. Um, I'm looking at this spread three and a half. And it's a tough line. I don't know if I want to bet this side. I think the bet I want to make is the over. I'm looking at the total at 52 yeah, and a half. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. where I'm going. I don't yep. want any part of, of the spread here. I just, like I said earlier, I just think, I think the Bills are going to come in. First of all, they can't run the ball. I should have the stats. I should have pulled up some analytics before I started recording. If I was better right. at my job, well, I probably go back would to have. The, go back to the Colts game. <laughs> yeah, the Colts seriously. were the best run, running off in the league, and they knew we're like, ah, let's not run the ball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, it, uh, that's a perfect example. Yeah, Carson Wentz is out there throwing like every play in the first half. We're all like, what's going on? You know, and Josh, it worked. It did. It, it was great. I think the Bills come into this game and they say, screw this. We we can't run it. We we can't even when we have to run it because it's seventy mile per hour wind bursts. And swirling snow, it's like a tornado. We're trying to play the Patriots. In a game where we have to run the ball, we still can't do it. It's Zach Moss for two yards. Right? We can't do it. Yeah. They just so, need to come out and empty every set. Yeah, no running it. You can't, you can't do it against the Bucks. You can't. Good running offenses can't run the ball against the Bucks. So I just think the Bills are going to come out. All guns ablazing. They're going to throw it all over the field. The Bucks are going to have to match it, and they will. And I just think this line is too low, Luke. 52 and a half feels gettable. So uh, I think if I'm making yeah. a play in this game, it's the over. Yeah, all day long, man. And uh, I think the the best thing the Bucks have going for them in this game is the fact that Carlton Davis is finally back. He played really well on Sunday. Sean Murphy Bunting is healthy. Jamel Dean's in the concussion protocol, so not sure if he's going to be back on Sunday. Um, safety, obviously, is a little dicey. You've got Jordan Whitehead still dealing with a couple injuries. Mike Edwards is just still suspended. Uh, so... I mean, there definitely is some yards and probably points to be had for the Bills there, assuming they can get the ball out quick and that pass rush doesn't get home. But, you know, if, if they want to make it into a shootout, I'm sure Tom Brady will have no problem with it. I do think, like I said earlier, though, I think they'll the Bucks on their side will want to shorten the game. They'll They'll want to give Josh Allen fewer possessions by moving the ball slowly, picking up first down after first down, Leonard Fournette check downs and running the ball against the, a, a rush defense. They can't, they can't run the ball. They don't stop the run very well either. And I think the Bucks will exploit that. Uh, and I think that'll be the Bucks aim. If, if it, if it doesn't hit the over for some reason, I think it's because the Bucks really control the ball. But honestly, I think even if they do that, they, they will put points on the board at the end of those drives. I was going to say, yeah, when the Bucks are controlling the ball, they're, they're up like 31 to 10 at halftime. <laughs> Sometimes, you know what I mean? When they're really in their, in their mode. They're, they they do. They score points after the right. Go, go back to the first two drives against the Falcons. That was, I mean, back-to-back, long, methodical. I mean, they were throwing the ball a lot, but it was a lot of short throws. It was a lot of, you know, basically extended run plays, and that's how Godwin ended up with those 15 receptions. Um, he was basically an extension of the run game there. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. They're, when they control the ball, they finish in the end zone, and that, that means the over is all. That, that's what I want. I love it. Nobody wants to face Tom Brady in the Bucks, especially the Bills right now. Poor Bills. Mm-hmm. Again, when was the last three. time the, Buc- the Bills wanted to face Tom Brady? It's never. never no, thirty-two and three. That's Brady's record against the Bills. Just in case people didn't hear me say that seventeen times during the show this week. Four hundred and five touchdowns. Let's do it. Go Bucks. Bury the Bills. I love it. For Luke, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Enjoy the game this week. We'll be back to talk Bucks Bills next time. Go, go, go. 
This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.